I will start off every podcast by reciting the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change, the courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. When I asked you about that old man, how old was this man that used to say the mother? How did he say it? Can you say it for us? Maggots, faggots, snitches, and bitches. Nobody. Nobody rides for free. How old was he? He was in his early 60s, probably. How many banks had he robbed? They had a nickname for him. I can't think of it, but he was uh, robbing banks in Maryland and stuff. Yeah. How did he get caught? I don't know. I don't, know. I don't really know his story. I just know what he would say when he came to the child. But anyway, El Reno, Oklahoma. That was in the, that was in FCI Bash Stop where he was. That's like a transitional treat, a transitional prison thing where they tr- put people in trance. That's when you go get designated. Anyway, what that mean? Designation. You go to like it's like being in the orientation stage of your incarceration. And then once you go through an orientation for like a month, then they decide what unit they, they classify you and decide what unit they're gonna send you to. To see where you were good at. Yeah, to, to see what field see, that to, they're gonna put your ass in. Well, no. To, to see where you classify as far as the kind of crime you committed, they are, you know, it's different levels, you know, there's minimum, medium, minimum, uh, medium, and there's maximum, you know, and then there's very maximum. And there, and uh, like where I went, I went to a level four because I was a bank robber, you know, so they sent me to El Reno, Oklahoma. El Reno, Oklahoma, uh, was, uh, I think, north of uh, Oklahoma City. But anyway, the setting was a dormitory-type setting where you had different units named after states, you know, Arizona, Louisiana. Louisiana unit was the drug rehab unit, you know, where they seen if you was a, if you was a drug offender, you know, committed a crime doing drugs, and you needed help, and the court uh, thought you needed help, then they'd send you to that unit, Louisiana. So that was like your uh, safe peak? Yeah. No, well, somewhat. Uh, Louisiana, you know, when you walked into the setting, you know, after you did your little week orientation, then they decide what kind of uh, classes you were going to go through, rehab classes you were going to go through. And, but when you walked into the setting, my first day there, I was in the... Uh, TV room, they have TV rooms in the dormitory. I'm in the TV room, you know. So when I walk in the TV room, I smell marijuana, you know. I mean, it just hits you. So I'm just peeping everything, and there's two guys watching TV, and they passing each other the joint, and then a, 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 a guard comes up. They call them hacks in the federal system. He comes in, walks in the room, just stand there, watch TV with us, and they passing the joint around like it's nothing. And this is supposed to be the rehab unit. <laughs> we gonna stop him right there. Once, you know, I got into the facility and was there and sort of started uh, knowing what was going on, building my own routine, which is, you know, and there you sort of program yourself. Uh, got wreck yards, huge wreck yards, gym and stuff. 
I mean, uh, you have uh, outside uh, basketball teams come in, uh, AAU basketball team come in and play the uh, unit facility, you know, uh, inmates, you know. And those inmates, it was, you know, it was just unbelievable the amount of talent that was just wasted. You had guys who were really supposed to be playing professional basketball who were locked up, you know, so the talent was there, you could see it, you know, and it was really a, a spectacle to see, you know, how people would come in from the outside and they played play the, uh, the inmates and stuff, and it was, it was a whole nother world. But I can, can recall one incident. There was a guy who was from uh, Washington, D.C., you know. They do, everybody sort of clickish, you know. They be in their own little cliques and stuff. And in prison, everything is segregated, in a sense. The inmate organizations are the ones that actually run the whole facility. You have, like, for blacks, is the Black Cultural Awareness Group, which is a nonprofit organization set up in prison. And they are able to have fun, ongoing fundraisers, you know. So they sell like T-shirts and stuff like that to make money to put back an organization. Then they bring people from the outside to have entertainment and stuff coming into the facility. The Mexicans, they had what they call LULAC, which is a Latin American organization. They would sell popcorn. They had like a theater in the in the, in the prison. They would sell the popcorn, so they make they fundraising from the popcorn sales. And then you had the JCs, which was the white boys. They would have their own fundraising. Why would they call JCs Jesus Christ? No, JCs is actually a nonprofit organization set out in the free world of uh, organizations of groups, you know, like the Shriners and all yeah, that. Yeah, okay, that's yeah, the that masonry kind of, and uh, Yeah, the mason kind of stuff. It's that on that side. So they are the masons, basically. Their right. people are the ones that's in jail, but they under... Right, right. But the whole thing was, was that if that's the way it was segregated. The white boys, they were able to take pictures in the, uh, in the, for visiting. And they charged that's how they were doing that. That's how they make their money. But the whole thing was, that was just the legal part of it. The illegal part of it was that all these inmate organizations trafficking drugs in the facility. Yeah. <laughs> right there, wait, we got to stop it right there. Organizations also had another part of, uh, 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 of fundraising, which was illegal drug trade, you know. The Black Culture Awareness Group. You trafficked it all. You controlled all the marijuana in the facility. We ran, we ran all the, the weed that came into the facility. That was the way we made money illegally. Cigarettes too? No, just, just, just that. They buy cigarettes. You could buy cigarettes out of the commissary. Tobacco. They sold it to you. Yeah. No, they don't sell it. They don't do that now. But then you could. The, the LULAC, the Mexicans and stuff, they sold all of the heroin in the, in the facility. They was in control of all the heroin. And the white boys, they was in control of all the legal pills and uh, opiates and uh, cocaine. But what if you had a black group with that? Could they? No, no. Nobody can control or run any, uh, get in anybody's turf. That's when you had a That's problem. the order. That's the order. If it's out of that order, it's then you got that. problems. Yeah. The problem started one day. One of the brothers out of D.C. and stuff, he had sold some weed to a white boy, and a white boy and stuff uh, turned around and, and beat him and stuff for, for the weed. So 
went back and got some of his partners and they jumped the white boy on the yard and stuff. Beat him up, beat him down and stuff. Next thing you know, one day I'm on the rec yard going to work out and stuff. All of a sudden, I hear the siren go off. The siren, when the siren go off, that means everybody need to get somewhere. You need to get back to your units. And the siren went off, and all of a sudden I saw people running and stuff. Uh, some people running, some of the walking security guards talking about, go back to your units, go back to your units. When I come around the corner and stuff, they got a white boy's whole arm, or half off, hanging and stuff. Somebody cut his damn arm off. This was the... No, it's, I guess the same white boy that was that, was, that had it, they were retaliating is what it was because of the because what they did to the other white boy. So the white boys figured they're gonna jump on the brothers and stuff. So it turned into a race riot. So we was on lockdown the whole for a whole fucking month. Couldn't go nowhere. I'm gonna stop right there. Yeah. So once you once you witness the arm being separated from the body after that happened, what happened after that? Went back, I finally made it to the unit. We got to the units, the whole unit compound was on shutdown. They just shut it down. What they do then is they come through the dorm through the dormitories and they pick out people who they think are troublemakers and stuff, you know. They talk they first talk to the leaders of the organization and see if they can find out, you know, what clicked everything off, what started everything. And then he, every president of every organization got to talk to his people and let them know, hey, we finna squash this shit, or if it can't be squashed, you know, everybody about to get shipped out and moved around, you know. And that's what the warden would tell them, you know, all the leaders of the organization. You know, if y'all can't squash this shit, I'm just going to put the motherfuckers on the buses and ship their ass out of here, and then we'll get, the, we'll get clean house again. And that's what ended up happening. They shipped everybody out. They thought was a troublemaker. They shipped them off to different units. I ended up back in Bastrop, you know, which was good because I was closer back to home. You know. When I got back to Bastrop, it was, it was Cadillac. So they sent your ass off too? Yeah, well, you know, they sent off a bunch of people, but that's the way. They do it by racial thing. They got to try to keep it balanced, you know. They know that's the word. That's the what Mexican, this is, a blacks. balance. Yeah, they know that if it's the blacks and the Mexicans or the blacks and the whites getting into it, then they need to separate the blacks and white. Mexicans, cool, you know, they they in their own thing. But blacks and the white, we got to ship them to get them separated so it won't be no problems, you know. And that's the way they do it. They out of control, inmates who think they bad and shit. You know, they'll send them to the hole, right? But basically, if they come out and they're still acting ignorant and stupid. And, and ain't stuff, done nothing. Yeah, you know what they do? They put them on the bus, they call it the long bus ride. They send them to Springfield, Missouri. When they get to Springfield, Missouri. Help your body detoxify and more. Vegan, it's all over. Free, they shoot them up in the They come back like little zombies and stuff. You'd be saying, damn, what happened to that brother? He used to be all talking shit night. All he want to do is go to the pill line every day and get his medicine and stuff. That's how they have us. And then he walks, then he walks back. That's how they want us. We don't, we don't make no noise. We don't make no noise. You know what I'm saying? He get up at lunchtime, and then 
After he get up at lunchtime. You neutralize that king. He, he eat his lunch, then he go back, and he might walk around the wreck yard a little time, and then he go back. But please don't fuck with that pull. That, oh, don't but fuck. I'm saying that's the way they deal. They were sad the way they deal with it. But they gave him the option, you know. If you're not going to conform and do what we ask you to do, then we got something for your ass. We going to slow you down. And after they slow you down, you know, you ain't good. You ain't good, but you just go pick up medicine. That's it. And I saw it. I'm talking about, brother, you talk so much shit. Motherfucker, I'll beat your ass and get into it. Guards be throwing on guards and shit. They take him to the hole. He stay in the hole for 90 days. And guess what? They let him out. And, and still him. retarded. He's still back in there. All of a sudden, he'll be missing. Then about another couple, about three months later, they come back. And that motherfucker just like that. I said, God damn. You ever, um... Who flew over the cuckoo's nest? That boy crazy motherfucker. I love that movie. That was my movie there. Uh, 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 come on, say the name. He's, oh, that's my boy. Nick. Yeah, no. Oh. Not Nicholas Cage, but Nick. Jack Nipples. Jack Nipples. <laughs> I love that boy. Yes, that's like that. Basically. And you remember um the coach on there? So that's what they did to the coach when they went and put that. And so the coach, when, when Chief, that's what his name was, Chief, when Chief came back, like. Back in the 60s and 50s, they used to do experimentation on people, you know, electric shock. That's what I wanted them to do to me. I recently requested that for myself. They say everything you do not want. I say. But I didn't want to remember or think no more. Like, I, some people, we don't want to think about things no more. Work on dealing with not thinking about stuff. And you start putting shit in chemicals and start doing electronic shit to people's brains and shit. That's a whole different round. It's a whole different round. When you give you 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 doping them up, but guess what? You can't. Ain't nothing can dope them up. God gonna come through anyway. I don't give a fuck how much medicine you put in somebody. If God wants to send a sign to you, He will send that motherfucking sign through doping throughout though. He gonna get he gonna get his message across. So right now they trying to figure out. Oh, we the real fucking deal, and we are the real fucking deal. Everybody the real fucking deal. It's either you're going to be really righteous, or you're going to be really evil. Now, Jeffrey McDonald. He was a Green Beret. Uh, he's a military guy, uh, a doctor in the military. And uh, he killed his wife, Colette. And supposedly the kids and stuff. And uh, I guess this was back in the 80s or something like that. Anyway, yeah, they made a movie about it. Wrote a book about it called Fatal Vision. That was the name of the book. Uh, anyway, he was locked up. I was locked up with him in Bastrop and stuff. You know? And uh, Jeffrey McDonald, he was uh, our officiator. He used to officiate our basketball games and stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, I never forget one day we were playing basketball, and uh, and uh, uh, 
uh, youngster out of uh, uh, out of New York. I can't recall his name. He called. He he uh he called. He uh called. Told Doc he made a fucked up call or something right there. Anyway, they get in the scuff and Doc called him a nigga and stuff. And Doc was a white boy. And uh, the game kept going on and the Doc was running down the court and stuff. And uh, uh, the brother came and hit him in the back of the head and knocked him down. They get, they get an all-out fist fight in the thing. Now, Jeffrey McDonald was supposed to be a Green Beret, so I just know it. He's about to kill his look. about this youngster finna get his ass stomped and shit. <laughs> look at you. Boy, this youngster was putting them things on and knocked that down. Boy, the, the guards had come in and just grabbed them off of him and stuff. And uh, say to that, Doc would have been dead. <laughs> I got to stop that. right here. Stop. It's too much. Wait, kill. Wait. Knock them down. Knock the Green Beret down. Knock the Green Beret down. Stomping his ass and shit. The guards had to run on the field and get him. And so y'all just knew that Green Beret was going to get him. Oh, I just knew he was going to kill that youngster and shit. Yeah, you that youngster putting them things on Doc and knock Doc down and shit. Doc called himself kicking at him and shit. That motherfucker faked that shit. Bang! Doc went down. But then he started stomping Doc at him. I can't remember that youngster. Damn. I got to stop you. First got to El Reno. Uh, I lived in, a, I think it was Arizona. Here. And uh, they had this young brother. He's about my age and stuff, you know. So, uh, so uh, he was a, he was a bank robber, right? And, uh, and uh, he had gotten violated. He had got out and was on paper and stuff. He was older than me, a little bit older. He had gotten out and he was back on violation, right? Mm -hmm. So one day, we in the TV room, we watching TV, all of us and fellas and stuff watching TV. So all of a sudden, they, they, every time in, in Oklahoma, they would show Texas news. They had a station, they would show things going on in Texas. So we watching the news. All of a sudden, his picture come up on the, on the TV. Come to find out, he and his cousin had kidnapped this girl at the University of Texas in Austin, kidnapped her, and uh, had to go to an ATM machine or something, and, and uh, then went and uh, raped and killed the girl. And then they found a girl on the side of the road outside of Austin somewhere. And his partner was on on trial, right? And they was going, that's what he was being held there for because they was going to extradite him back to Texas. And we was looking at him like, bro, you ain't tell us all of this. <laughs> oh, dude. So, wait, wait. So, so. Kill what you, wait. We was, we was like, we was a little posse. We hung out, we work out together, go play ball. <laughs> yeah, I know that part. Ain't know all of this and shit. So. That's what y'all get. Yeah, so we in the pool room one night. So one brother crack on him and stuff. Man, tell us what happened, man. He said, man, I'm going to tell you, man. It, it, it ain't good. He said, and he used to always be like nervous and shit. And uh, he said, man. He said, uh, he said, my cousin killed a girl, you know, he said, you know, and I kept telling him, man, let's just get the money, you know, and uh, he said, you killed her, you know, 
And he said, but I didn't kill her, you know. I said, Brooks, you got to face the music now. <laughs> Look at you, Bessie. I said, Brooks, you got to face the music and stuff. You better have your shit together and you go back to Texas because they going to hang you. And I was telling the truth. Ten years later, after I hadn't got out of prison and stuff, I'm watching the news. I'm living in Austin, Texas. I'm watching the news. And they had been talking about he was on death row. And they were, his date to get executed was coming up and coming up. And they executed his ass. Yep. Damn show sure did. A capital murder. And he didn't even do it. And he didn't do it. But his cousin did. But he was with him. Yeah, they executed his cousin ass too. Okay, what about the, um, the young gentleman from Queens, New York? You know New York can put all the work hand in hand. Yeah. So his brother yeah. still got to take care of him. Still. Yeah. Still. 
Yeah. That was live. Yeah, I'm stopping you right there. Wait, hold on. I got to. Yes. With me and Chetley, who was uh, Gladys' sister's son, Chetley. Anyway, we all went to school together. Anyway. What's his name again? His name was Bubba. Bubba Jr. Like Gladys' brother. Named after him. Anyway, uh, about. Ten years after I had gotten out of federal prison and stuff, I was living in Austin, and uh, I started frequently going back to visit, you know, because I was making money, so I'd fly to Vegas and make contact with people I knew in the past and stuff. So one occasion I went to I went to Vegas by myself and stuff, and I called one of one of other friends who lived there. So I said, well, uh, where is uh, 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 Chet? So he said, man, let me get him on the phone. So he get Chet on the phone. So Chet and, uh, called me called me back at the hotel and told me, say, man, where you at? I'm coming in, I'm going to come get you, you know? I said, cool. So he came and got me and stuff. So we kicking it at Chet's house and stuff with his, with his wife, Gail, and stuff, who was from Houston. And they had a bunch of kids. They had about three or four kids. And we sitting around there kicking. So I said, where is, uh, where is, uh, little Bubba, you know? Himself from the family, he don't talk to nobody, don't do nothing, push his car around and stuff, and that's it. Here's a kid who had everything. I'm talking everything. He got money, he got cars, he got women, he got drugs, he got everything. But he didn't want that life no more. He didn't want that life no more. He picked up his cross, and his cross was that basket. That was his basket. Yeah, people wonder how could that ever happen? But they don't understand. Them people is people just like you and I, you know? Yeah. And they run in the crossroads in their lives that something happened, you know, and it, it's, they get in tune with themselves, you know, and they realize it's ain't all of this shit I ain't what it is all people out to me. Gladys, Gladys. They say this is the cross. They say put out the Texas is the crossroads. Do they call? Do, have you ever heard of put out the Texas called the crossroads? Because that is based. I mean, it was the it's a replica of New York, and it is. It's very is. It's still. It's just purgatorized. No, I wasn't Do you remember Ferris wheel back then? I kind of vividly tearing on it, shit up, and breaking all of it. But I remember the drawbridge. Like, it did, where did the drawbridge go? Like, from the seawall across? Right where, where, 
Across the field. You know where the boardwalk is behind city behind city hall. Yeah. You know the boardwalk yeah. where you walk. People go back there and yeah. and walk and stuff. Right there. It went all the way across. And on the other side, if you ever go on the other side of it, you can look and see that big old line strip that runs back to the canal. Mm -hmm. That was the way you came in. When you came in, all of that other stuff was amusement park and hotel. You know, when you came in, I can't visualize. Coast, uh, I, I read the book. My sister made us. She bought the centennial, put out the centennial book to put out the news with seven. It's nice. Like Janice Jock. I think I'm going to go in there. Is it open? I'm going to go this week. That's not for me to do. No, I've been mentally challenged. I ain't getting no gifts for Mother's Day. No, I wasn't. I was home. Maturing didn't even give me nothing. But thank you for getting us here. What the hell you mean, thank you for getting What y'all bought them little bitches? Hold on. Man, somebody took my staff yesterday. The phone broke yesterday. Oh, whoa. Let me stop this interview right here. What was you saying about Gladys Knight? Was talking about the nephew, about the nephew. And I said when you said he was pushing a cart, and I said he picked up that was his cross. He picked up the cart. That was his nephew. You can't talk about love. She's still alive. Uh uh, no bubble, no. Talking about, they own me, they coming and get me out there with the waterfall, you know, he fucked up. 
Paul police zoom in on him, they close him in, closing in. All of a sudden, they bombard him and shit. He talk about fight. He be he throwing laws all over the field and shit. shit like, that sound like Angel Dust. Yeah, he was on Angel Dust. They finally get him in the thing, get him in the back of the ambulance. He kicked the back door. Boom! <laughs> Try to come up yeah. But that's the kind of stuff that was going on this during that era in time. You know, they saw the experimental, you know, Angel Dust. They call it. Sure, and actually, it was nothing but jet fuel. You know, they reprocessed jet fuel. <laughs> That's what they were making. They call it Piper. But okay, yeah. Bumming fluid is yeah, yeah. Jet, but what? How the could jet fuel do? Uh, I mean, you be used for. It was uh, in uh, what the damn? I can't think of the word I need. For the body, when you embalm the body, it preserves, huh? Yeah. But in the first stages of PCP, they use jet fuel, piper, what they call it, and stuff, the chemical that's in it, and it's what they would break down to use it, and then they spray it on marijuana or put it on whatever they wanted to use to the cells process. Uh, and usually it was just a cigarette. They take a cigarette and they stick it, you know? That's why they came up with that and get laid. But it was jet fuel, you know? Yeah, that's what they would see. Motherfuckers smoking jet fuel. And I don't think that makes it more fucking tight. Get somewhere. Hold on, that make good goddamn sense why you laughing. No, but that's what they did, you know? You laughing at it, but I indulged in it. I know, yeah, I but not no, I didn't do it. No PCP. Well, I didn't know if it was PCP, but it was supposed to be um, embalming fluid, and this was in the ninety, like ninety five or ninety six, when riding dirty when Chad and them were the We would take potato vodka, potato vodka, mm -hmm. take potato vodka, and put a little strychnine in it, which was rat poison, put it in there, let it set, come back, get some some halfway decent weed, come back and spray it with that shit, and people swore to God we had the fucking, the killer, the fire. They was lined up in, in, in by the road, just lined up to our trailer trying to get there to buy this shit, because they knew we had the shit. And we had the shit. Fuck yeah. And we was poisoning people. Poisoning people. That's sad. That's fucking pathetic. To think that somebody would do that. But they did it the same with PCP. They did it the same with the same cocaine. Right the same thing. Poison. With the fake marijuana and the, fake the PCP. The, everything is still inside. It's in a, a capitalist society, which is a system of exploitation. Whatever the marketable product it is to make money, that's what they put out there for. Yeah. Do you, you know, yeah. it's no different. Pharmaceutical companies doing the, the same, same thing. fucking thing. The putting same poison thing. out there. They ain't did no but study. But the body will heal itself. The body is well known to heal itself. We live in our ruthless ass system. And it won't stop. Kim, it won't, they won't stop. It's like, they said, Donald Trump said, if you mentally ill, 
we about to fuck with you. Hey, don't.